sans moi. Je suis très confiant. Hein? I can show you around. That'd be great. Thank you. So what do you do around here? Read books, transcribe music, swim at the river, go out at night. Sounds fun. All right, later. Just watch. This is how we'll say goodbye to us when the time comes. Later. <laughs> Meanwhile, we'll have to put up with him for six long weeks. Oh. Muscles are firm. Not a straight body in these statues. They're all curved. Sometimes impossibly curved. And so nonchalant, hence their ageless ambiguity. As if they're daring you to desire them. Oh, to see without my eyes The first time that you is there anything you don't know? Boundless by the time I cry. You only knew how little I know about the things that matter. Build your walls what things that matter? White noise, what an awful sound. You know what things. You're saying what I think you're saying. Shouldn't have said anything. Just pretend you never did. Like, what is going on with this character? He's 
he's 17, but like a Noah Baumbach character. Like he has very artistic, creative parents. So he's clearly been brought up in a kind of like, in a bubble that you or I haven't been brought up in. So he has a sort of uh, precociousness and like ease of living that I wouldn't know anything about being a neurotic, <laughs> neurotic mess myself. Um, and then Army Hammer comes along and his performance I had a little more trouble latching on to. He's basically playing like the very aloof, idealized version of the the object of a coming of age. Like if, if or the subject, however grammar works. Like yeah, he, yeah. he is the thing for which one comes of age. And that yeah, means he's, he doesn't he's the one literally opening up the eyes of the person yeah. who is needing to experience something new. And that means in this movie he functions like a lot like the statues in the movie. He's just this kind of picturesque thing that is like beautiful and hard to understand and difficult to get. But watching uh, Timothy Chalamet's character kind of slowly open up and explore what this relationship is, I thought it was a very nice little movie. Like it told the story I wanted to tell and I think it did it well. Yeah, um, I, having seen the trailer a few times now, I was less anticipating, like, a Carol-type film in general, and I was kind of caught in the editing of the trailer kind of makes the performances feel very stagey, at least the way the dialogue was delivered, where it's, like, short bursts of, like, very, like, I am saying something that is stagey, <laughs> like, that. that's kind of the impression I got. Love has a way of finding our greatest well, it, it, it's like the, the, the main the main scene in the trailer where he's like, I don't know everything. And he's like, oh, what sort of things don't you know? And he's like, oh, the important things. And, like, that scene in the film plays much more naturally. Um, it, it's still, like, a very... It, it's two people trying to ambiguously say something. But in the trailer, it was edited in a way that sort of changed the timing of, of the way and made it less natural. Um, but, yeah, so my, my main concern going in was, was that. Um the film didn't, didn't turn out to be that way at all, but it is interesting, the comparisons to Carol, uh, I, so, I, I had my problems with Carol, um, mostly it just related to my, my way of what the film did or didn't tell me about the total relationships, but one of the things that, that the film was really great about was I could see why the characters each were attracted to the other one. Right. Like, you know, I can see why the, 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 the you know, the, the Rooney Mara's character could look at Kate Blanchett and be like, oh, this is something that I'm, I'm drawn into right now. And I can, we can obviously see why um, Kate Blanchett's character would look at Rooney Mara and be like, I need this young, innocent, like, change of my current situation to, to be able to do something for me, right? Um, and I think this film lacks that, but it's telling a completely different type of story. Um, I found I found a lot of moments in this film uh, confusing, um, not in a joking way, but like uh, like characters would react to scenes in a way that I like kind of made me do like a head tilt kind of like mm, I don't I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to take from this moment. Or I don't know why the character is responding in this way themselves. And I think that um, Army Hammer, his introduction, he's a very standoff, standoffish type of person, right? Right. Like he's, he's a person who I don't see an immediate attraction for the lead character. Like, it, 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 it 
it takes a while for it's, it's basically what, until Army Hammer starts to embrace him more only then do I see like okay I, I understand this attraction between the two of them um, because they both have this little bit of arrogance to them and I think uh, the, 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 the 17 year old character he his arrogance is just that he's used to being really good at a lot of things but he doesn't have like it's almost like he has a power that he's never wielded before right and army hammer is like the person who wields a power he might not even have right so the, the, like there there is some sort of separation uh, between those two characters i will say though the chemistry between them is undeniable like yeah. like it, i don't it, it, it's a weird juxtaposition for me because it's like seeing them together duh they should be together seeing the characters separately i don't understand why the attraction is there right and, and i think one part of that too is there's for the first half of the movie there's kind of some subtle communication going on like like this is set a few decades ago yeah. back when the the idea of like a teenager being out was not so common yeah right? there were there were more barriers to entry there not to say there are no <laughs> but yeah. a lot of this movie i think in the first half their standoffishness there's like there are signals that they're kind of sending to each other of like testing the waters and i don't think i picked up on those as much as maybe someone familiar with that particular dynamic in a relationship would have picked up on yeah so that that's why for me like once the once the love part starts to happen like once there are actually they're actually addressing these things heads on head on i could kind of go back and see those moments as people kind of playfully testing each other or prodding or yeah. like I could understand that a bit more but yeah at the very beginning it was a little hard for me to grasp that too yeah and I think uh, in in a normal Chris like fashion fashion there are there are other characters who aren't part of this story but intersect with the characters in this story mm-hmm. um, and I think that the film the film is really only concerned with the relationship between uh, the two male leads, and uh, there are a series of female characters who come in and are sort of cast aside to this story, and the film never really deals with the ramifications of that. Like, you get little glimpses of that, you know, like in, in with one character a little bit more than the other character, but I kind of, I kind of want more of dealing with that, and I know that you know, we, we saw, um, I've heard some other people talk about the film, and we saw, as we were about to leave, after the credits finished, there ended up being, like, a little short um, making of featurette, and, you know, like, the director was really concerned that they're not being villains in the story, we're just watching this uh, good thing that is happening between these two characters, and I, I get that, but there's also, I want to see what is left in the wake of what these characters are experiencing, not just their emotions, or not just the emotions of of the younger boy. Yeah, um, and, and that surely is there, like, it's implicit at least. Like, it, whatever happened was not, it may have resulted in a good thing, but it was, it was navigated in a way that clearly left casualties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On all, on all sides. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but I mean, I, I think for me, uh, there, there are some films that, that uh, I watch and I'm invested in, but I'm not really jiving with them. And then there's a scene right towards the end of the film yeah. where somebody gives a monologue and that makes the entire film for me. <laughs> <laughs> in the moonlight. 
<laughs> and I, I, I think that, uh, I think this, this film had that, like, uh, incredible scene uh, towards the end of the film where a character kind of, like, defines the entire story that, that we're telling and, and why we're watching it. And, uh, yeah, it's a beautiful scene, made me tear up, and, like, it's, I think, absent of that scene, I would come away from this film less, uh, less happy with the film that I had watched. Um, with that scene, I think it elevates it to a level where, like, it, it justifies the, not that, not that the film up till that point needed the justification to exist, I just mean that, like, for me, it... It justifies any problem that I had. Yeah, it puts in the a film. good narrative bow on it. it. Yeah, yeah. It kind of tells you this. This is the aspect of this story that we want you to latch onto, and it's interesting because without, without that monologue, I might have walked away with some very different feelings about it. Like, for instance, I kind of think the uh, Timothy Chalamet's character, like the the film in the trailer kind of seems like it's going to be a thing where Army Hammer's Oliver seduces him or he becomes like the object of attraction that just jars someone into a yeah. place that they didn't know they had. And I I felt like Timothy Chalamet's character almost functions more as a semi-Lolita type figure where he is someone who is initiating a lot of what is happening in this and Army Hammer doesn't always know exactly how he ought to react to it. Yeah. And there's some kind of interesting, like, standoffishness of, of someone who's testing the waters for the first time and trying trying out their relationship on someone else with a kind of combination of approaching them positively and pushing them away. And yeah. I think that, that kind of interplay, I would have been no more surprised if at the end of the film there was something negative and like he learns about himself but that particular relationship wasn't considered yeah. positive like I think there are lots of different routes that in hindsight someone could feel about that event yeah um, and it was I was pleasantly surprised to see that this film managed to keep it as a tender positive moment like a provocative one like there are, there are obvious questions about the age difference and uh, yeah, yeah. the status of these two people but I think it, it made it more hopeful than I was expecting, which is funny for a film that ends with a very long shot of a person crying. <laughs> yeah, and I, I will say too, like the one thing that uh, you know er, earlier this year um, we saw Good Times, and uh, as I said then, best credit sequence ever. Yeah, <laughs> and I think this is a damn close second. Yes, um, I think this is a, a brilliant closing shot. It sums up everything about what the characters thinking of and also like what's happening in the background of that scene somehow for me just like works of you know like the world goes on <laughs> people are privy to information about what happened and is going to happen in the future and there's something really 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 interesting about just watching that shot and also like bravo for fucking I don't know how long the credits are yeah but the range of emotion shown in that scene, it, like that, like to me, that justifies all the attention that Timothy Chalamet has been getting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like that was incredible acting. Did, did you ever see Listen Up, Philip? I did not. Okay, so my favorite scene for me in Listen Up, Philip, the scene that makes that whole movie is a long uh, shot on. Uh, <laughs> damn it, I'm gonna get her name wrong. Um, uh, Elizabeth Moss. Oh, yeah. uh, a long shot on her 
right after a breakup scene where there's a breakup, the character walks away, and the camera stays close up on her face while she goes through smiling because she initiated it and then like awareness that she's alone in this room now and then tears and then smiling again and it's just like a long long take where we just watch this character go through all of these emotions yeah. that that summarize so much of what the film is trying to do and this this might have beaten that for me in terms of just long takes of one character reacting to something yeah yeah I, I really loved that scene uh, I really did like the this wasn't I wouldn't say this was a cinematic feeling as a movie like Carol like Carol had something where just every frame felt like candy almost like it was just like very lush and rich yeah, yeah. and this I think this didn't quite do that but it did have a really nice color palette and kind of nature scenes that makes you kind of like uh, Before Midnight which is set in a similar locale like it kind of just makes me want to go visit Italy or Greece <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I I felt I felt mixed. The, the movie definitely in the third act, I think, justifies a lot. Yeah. And yeah. it really makes it makes you want to root for it leaving the theater. I, I still I almost feel like I would need to rewatch it to see how much of that first hour is like really building something versus being a series of disconnected scenes. Yeah. Well I so I, I, I think that's one of the problems I had early on is there is a lot of awkwardness between the characters, and it's partially authentic because these characters are... The, the family is a bit standoffish and direct in a very odd way. Yeah, yeah, but also, also the the uh, Timothy Chalamet is, is, isn't experienced with the things he's trying to do, and so he does them in very clunky and awkward ways, and he's acting a little bit clunky. Um, but it's because he's not familiar with what he's trying to do. Like, he's trying, he's theoretically trying to seduce and come on to an older man, but he's never come on to any man before. He's sort of just experiencing these feelings and this reaction at the same time. But, like, Army Hammer himself doesn't, he, like, in, in a, in another type of film where, like, a guy in a high school is, like, trying to hit on a girl the girl might be like, oh, how cute this guy's being all awkward towards me and, like, she might dig that vibe and sort of play along with it or tease him for being so awkward. Yeah. Army Hammer just is even more awkward back to him <laughs> in ways that, like, there are literal scenes where he does something and I go, like, I, what, I, I, I don't know, like, I, I, I think he's trying to tease him, but maybe he's not trying to tease him, he's trying to punish him, but then he has a smile on his face and it's not like a I got him in a mean way type of smile. It's like a genuine, like, oh, kind of smile. And it's like, there are moments that I just don't understand what the character is thinking. And from what I understand, what little I've heard about the book is that a lot of the book is internal monologue of the character. I was wondering, and I assume the book focuses on uh, Timothy Chalamet's character, whose name I keep forgetting. Um, the character whose name... <laughs> <laughs> this will be fun to edit. Um... Yeah, so I'm assuming a lot of the book is focused on the internal monologue of the character of Elio, because this this feels like that the whole film is so kind of narrowly focused on them and primarily on him. Yeah. And it's mostly just a series of 
events that happen where characters are kind of talking around each other. Like, they're not directly just saying what they mean. Yeah. And I feel like that would that would play very well on the page where you have access to exactly what they're thinking and how they're parsing out these events. But it it's hard to communicate all that on screen. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and like, there are moments where the characters do an amazing job of communicating what they're thinking, but then there's just the other moments where I just am totally at a loss for understanding what's going on. Um, I think the other thing that sort of a little weirded me out is it, it definitely feels like Elio, or however you pronounce it, got... He got the, uh... The, uh, cojones to hit on Army Hammer from the poem that his mom read him while he was sitting in his dad's lap the night before, right? Where it was like the, the did, did he speak or not? Like, it's basically the gist of what the, the story that they're reading is, is that like, oh, you know, you're gonna have regrets if you don't speak up and like say what you need to say. Right. Um, and just, there's a little, little bit of strangeness to that to me, but. Yeah, I, I think in general, the, uh, the way this film deals with the, the parents' relationship with this romance was surprising. Uh, I, I feel like, for better or worse, this movie does not drastically acknowledge the age difference. Yeah. I think it does to a small degree, but not to the point where any kind of parental figure would feel inclined to protect the person or would, like... But, like, it, it kind of feels like if anything were to come out, it would be the fact that they are two men and not that one is old and the other is younger. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, that that's the story this wanted to tell. Uh, I, I think it's maybe unfortunate timing right now for, yeah, yeah. for award season. But for better or worse, like, this film does not address that much except for, much like in Carol, the older person is more of a, a figure of inspiration, someone who guides a person into coming of age. And in this case, I think the movie is... If Lady Bird is a general coming of age, of becoming an adult, becoming a person who makes your own choices, this, I think, is much more a, like, coming of physicality. Like, this is very much a movie about who you are in love and romance and embracing the way you feel yeah. on a physical level. So I think it's a much more narrow story this wanted to tell. So it doesn't, it doesn't address some of the things that I would have wouldn't have mind seeing addressed in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting, too, with, like, the trailers that played before it. There were, there were a lot of stories involving age gaps. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, in, in general, I, I... It was definitely an interesting film, and, uh... That ending scene, damn. Yeah. I think the... It sticks to the landing pretty well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I do think, I don't remember if Carson ever weighed in on this, but my guess is this director, Luca, seems to have a very kind of bright color palette and big sense of what he wants to do, and this movie felt a bit subdued to me, so I have a feeling this is one of those things where critical acclaim is coming largely from the balance and the restraint that it's showing, yeah. uh, and I'm curious to see his more wild, audacious movies, just to get a feel for now that I know your style, what can you do when you're cranking up the volume a little more? Yeah. 
All right, so you think we should get to verdicts? Yeah, let's uh, let's go ahead and do that. Um, Stephen Miller, you're going to give this a must-see, reckon with the caveat, wait for rental, pass with the caveat, or must-avoid. What would you give it? Uh, it depends how literally I take the <laughs> ranking. For me, personally, it would be a must-see, but it's not like a hard everyone must go see this movie. I think this is an appropriately small movie that is filling a particular niche. Uh, but what, what the hell? Go with the must-see. <laughs> I, I think it's a lovely movie that knows what story wants to tell and tells it well, and there are at least a handful of scenes that are among the most powerful ones I've seen all year. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm going to give it a reckon over the caveat. Uh, I don't think it's a perfect film. I think that ending is amazing. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, like the last... The last like 20 minutes or whatever, uh, it, it turns out to be, are, are just brilliant. And I almost wish I had this recorder in the theater with me so that I could just like record that monologue and listen to it again. Um, but yeah, it's 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 it's, it's a it's a great great film. Um, I think that the the main caveats are some people just aren't gonna want to want to deal with the, the subject matter of the film, and also if you're if you're hearing crazy praise for this film, um, it might not set your level of expectation for what yeah, you get. Yeah, I, I have a feeling whole. the praise is going to hurt audience reception of this movie because I think it, it builds it up to a place that no movie that is doing what it is doing could live up to. Yeah, for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, that is our bonus review of Call Me By Your Name, um, which. Also, I don't, I don't, I don't, I still don't get that. <laughs> no. I have a feeling maybe in the in the book that is more of a thing. Yeah, yeah, it just it, it's it's when the trailer was going, I didn't quite understand the idea of like you call me by your n- name and I'll call you by mine or yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's I, I still don't understand it, and having seen the film, I don't understand it. Also, still, um, but. <laughs> But that's fine. I don't have to understand it. That was just a little aside. That's the end of the episode. <laughs> See you guys. Uh, but yeah, Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? I think go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. Um, if you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning or like us at facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com or use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to come by your name, so hopefully you're enjoying that. Speaking right of now. which, great soundtrack. I, I didn't get to praise the music enough in this movie. I think almost all of my favorite scenes were including a kind of heavy soundtrack to help set the tone. Uh, so good work, Sufian Stevens and everyone else involved in making this. Yeah, it was uh, very enjoyable. Um, but uh, yeah, we are going to close out this episode. Hopefully the audio quality is good enough to make an episode that you guys like to hear. <laughs> um, but yeah, we will be back in the new year with more reviews, probably like a handful of reviews of everything that came out on Christmas. Um, but also, as always, our year-end recap, where we're all going to count down our top 10 favorite films of the year. So look forward to that. And uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, everyone. Mazel tov. <laughs> all right.